Hello and welcome to Nomads You and I. In this podcast, we will look deeply into what God says about truth and what he wants our relationship with truth to look like so that we can avoid a life-destroying head-on collision with truth and instead get access to all the good things that God says happens when we open our hearts and our lives to his absolute truth. So I'm sure that you have seen this for yourself a thousand times. One of the schemes employed by darkness is to turn everything on its head by redefining everything so that no one can tell up from down, right from wrong, or darkness from light. So let's start off our podcast about truth with a reminder of how the creator of all reality defines truth. First, truth is something that Jesus Christ embodied, manifested, and became the source of. And we'll be in our Bibles a lot during this podcast. If you have a Bible handy, that might be very, very helpful for you to see what I'm sharing in the Word of God right before you. So, John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth, unquote. So, Jesus was full of both grace and truth. As a side note, we learn here that grace and truth go hand in hand, and that grace does not remove Jesus's words of truth that we'll see in a few minutes, that God says we are to obey. So grace rather opens the opportunity to not die in our sins so that we can choose to obey the truth. So again, in John 1.17, we see that grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. I mean, realized, that means that truth came through Jesus. This is why Jesus says in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, unquote. See, no one means no one. Jesus is not one way to the Father as an option. If you're not so much into Buddha or Allah or Shiva, Jesus said he's the way to the Father. Jesus is not one of many sources of divine truth. He is the source, the final say that trumps all other voices. Listen also to John 18:37. quote, Therefore Pilate said to him, Are you the king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am the king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, unquote. So listen closely to and be changed daily by what the king of kings says in his word so that you can be of the truth, as he puts it there. So there's kind of a misunderstanding sometimes among those who understand Jesus to be the source of truth. And that is that because he's the ultimate source of truth, some have decided that they're going to just use the red letters in their Bibles as a guidebook for their life. But I'd like to invite you to reconsider that approach by listening to what Jesus says toward the end of his life. He makes a surprising announcement and essentially says more instructive truths will be communicated from God the Father, even after Jesus speaks his last word on earth. So here's how Jesus said that would go down. It's in John 15, 26, when he says, quote, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, unquote. He goes on to explain this further when he says in John 16, 13, quote, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into 
all the truth for he will not speak on his own initiative but whatever he hears he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come unquote see there jesus promised that apostles that the holy spirit would guide them into all the truth they pinned those truths by inspiration word for word in the scriptures so that when you read their words Jesus here is saying that those words are straight from the Father, through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles. So speaking of all the truth, like we just read in John 16, 13, where it said that the Spirit would guide you into all the truth. This is the perfect spot to cover a concept that we find in Psalms 119, 160. When there, the psalmist is inspired to write this, quote, the sum of thy word is truth, unquote. So as you might recall from grade school, the sum is what you get when you add everything up, right? Likewise, to find the truth on any topic of eternal relevance, here's what we do. We add up all of what God has said on any given topic. So we don't camp on just one verse when and if he has said more on a, any given topic. This way we get the full picture. The sum of his word is truth. Psalm 119, 160. So whether our Heavenly Father's words are spoken through the Son of God or through the Holy Spirit he sent to speak through the apostles so that they could write down God's words word for word for us. When we talk about truth, we're not talking about my truth or your truth. We're actually talking about the word of God. John seventeen seventeen says, quote, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, unquote. So to sanctify is to set something apart as valuable. So we learn here that those who love God and his truths are set apart as useful to God's glory. And he wants this for everyone. In fact, First Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says that God our Savior desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, unquote. So our God is just and a God of hope. If God desires that all men be saved, then definitely, side note, this Calvinist theology that God predestines some souls to be without hope for damnation is not only not true, it's a blasphemous. For our God is just and a God of hope. So let's transition a bit now to examine what God says he wants his children to do with truth after they have been saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Like what should our relationship with truth be like as we live out our lives to his glory? First off, God wants us, his children, to treasure the truth. Psalms 51 6 says, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Unquote. Since God desires truth in the innermost being, you know what that means. That means that from the get-go, we must tell ourselves the truth. We must acknowledge all realities deep, deep down to our core, no matter how painful those realities are. And this requires an openness to change course as we learn new realities. So getting back to this idea from John 8, 31 and 32, where Jesus says to those Jews who had believed in him, you, if you continue in my word, then you will truly be disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. 
You know what often is sadly the case? So often we are the ones who have forged our own chains without even knowing it. Sin promises freedom, but sin lies. Free yourself by embracing reality. Because you know what? Truth is knowable. Adam Clark says this, quote, No man is truly free, but he in whose heart the power of sin is destroyed. And he who has received the spirit of adoption, through which he cries out the Father. The bondage of sin is the most grievous bondage. And freedom from its guilt and influence is the greatest liberty. So I just think that goes along so beautifully with knowing the truth and how the truth will make you free. So after we know the truth, God wants his children to rejoice in it. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says, Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, unquote. So there's an important application here that should be made. Real love rejoices in the truth, and the truth says that every form of fornication results in eternal death, Revelation 21.8. Then, obviously, no matter how trendy a given brand of fornication is, we are not going to celebrate something that eternally destroys the souls that God loves and that we love. Again, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. 1 Corinthians 13.6. So what else is to be our relationship with truth? We are to keep acquiring truth throughout life. Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding, unquote. So you will continually get offers to sell out truth in exchange for temporary pleasures or for convenience. And you will witness others cave. I am saying be immovable. Stand firm, no matter what anyone else does. Next, God wants us to make truth a part of who we are. We see this in Proverbs 3, 3, when he says, quote, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, unquote. You see, God's truths need to be so deeply embedded into us that they become inseparable from who we are. That's going to take some daily time meditating in his word for sure. Also, God says we are to practice truth. John 3.21 says, He who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God, unquote. So you see, it is when we practice truth that we come to God's light. This is true illumination and is worlds beyond what the New Age movement promises when they talk about enlightenment through pilgrimages or gurus or transcendental meditation or chanting or psychedelic drugs and so forth. Next, we are to know the truth so well that we are capable of using it with beautiful precision. 1 Timothy 2.15 says, quote, Be diligent to present yourselves approved of God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth, unquote. If you're going to do one thing in life accurately, like precisely and correctly and exactly, let it be the handling 
of the word of truth by not misrepresenting what it actually says. So as we continue to explore ideas around what God says a relationship to truth should be, here's another one. We are to do our part to ensure that our congregation as a whole upholds only truth. That is that we as a whole accurately handle it. First Timothy 3.15 describes the household of God, which is, it says, the church of the living God. It is to be the pillar and support of the truth, unquote. The mission of God's household, the church, is to support, promote, and maintain truth. This verse may also mean that God himself is the pillar and support of the truth. If it does, the church's mission remains the same, to bring other souls into relationship with their heavenly father by sharing with them the truths of how to get and stay in relationship with him. So what else does God say he wants his children to do with truth? Well, we are to speak only truth. This is found in Ephesians 4.25 when it says, quote, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another, unquote. The reason we must tell the truth is because we are a part of one another. In other words, we belong to one another as much as your toes belong to your feet and your eyes belong to your face. We are in the same body of Christ. And ultimately, truth helps God's children to love one another well. 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. So obviously, acts of service and sharing life-giving truth help souls way more than just mere words. So now that we've explored what God says he wants his children to do with truth, we need to touch bases for a few moments about what happens when we don't know the truth, when we don't rejoice in it, when we don't walk in it, speak it, uphold it, and so forth. Let's talk about what God says a train wreck relationship to truth looks like so that we can avoid that wreckage. So the first sign of a train wreck coming is not loving the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 talks about, quote, the deception of wickedness that causes people to perish. Why? Well, it says, quote, because they did not receive the love of the truth, so as to be saved, unquote. Far more people know the truth than love the truth. But God wants not just your mind. He wants your heart. And the thing is, what's not to love about the truth? It is the key to everything that is freeing. It is the passageway to everything good, including God himself. And of course, when people love lies, they're going to hate anyone who speaks truth. For example, in Galatians 4.16, Paul asked the church in Galatia, Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? When the truth causes the listener to realize that in order to prepare for a blissful eternity, they will need to sacrifice something that their brain considers to be their primary source of stability or pleasure, like, for example, power or sexual recklessness or drugs or time wasting or love of money. Those who speak truth will often be hated for it as if the reality would not exist if you had not spoken it. I'm encouraging you gently and humbly speak the truth anyway. Oskina says, quote, Christian faith is not true because it works. It works because it's true. It is not true because we experience it. We experience it deeply and gloriously 
because it is true. It is not simply true for us. It is true for any who seek in order to find, because truth is true even if nobody believes it, and falsehood is false even if everyone believes it. That is why truth does not yield to opinion, fashion, numbers, office, or sincerity. It's simply true. And that's the end of it, unquote. You know, often people will claim that they would believe the truth of God's word if it just had more evidence. But the real reason truth is rejected is found in 2 Thessalonians 2.12, where it talks about God's judgment on those who, quote, who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness, unquote. It is one's pleasure in wickedness that is the real reason why so many people choose not to believe. It feels humbling to admit that. So many instead opt to cite proudly a lack of evidence or accuse God of being a poor communicator of truth. But since denying truth kind of nags at you throughout life, people who love lies surround themselves with as many as possible who also believe lies to try to forget the painful truth that a train wreck with truth is coming. In fact, Second Timothy 4, 3-4 says along these lines that, quote, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths, unquote. It is human nature to listen to sweet little lies, but as Philip Kiddick says, reality is that which, when you stop believing it, doesn't go away, unquote. So let's instead commit to turning our ears toward the truth and count as kind the rescuers of our souls, those teachers who tell us what we need to hear instead of what we'd like to hear in the moment. As someone has once said, the truth is one thing for which there is no substitute. Those who reject truth still sense their spiritual nature and can tell deep down that they were meant to have someone to thank when things go right. So they start substituting anything for God. And we can see this in Romans 1.25 when it says, quote, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Unquote. Let me ask you this. How do you feel about the people who don't love you, but love only what you do for them? Let's adore and worship the creator of nature for who he is, rather than nature or any other created thing, including ourselves. Because the truth is, he is the only one worthy of our soul's adoration. Another thing that those who reject truth do is that instead of obeying God, they obey their selfish ambitions. Romans 2.8 says, quote, But those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey own unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation, unquote. The truth is something that is to be obeyed, we learn here. That is, it's supposed to be acted upon by unselfish people. Another thing that those who reject truth will sometimes do is that often on the verge of a train wreck with truth, they will claim to be at peace with their creator while they're walking in darkness. This would be the case for the denominations who withhold the truth 
that we all must walk holy and repent of what God defines as sin in order to be pleasing to him. 1 John 1 6 says that if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth, unquote. And here's where you land when instead of practicing the truth, you participate in the suppression of truth. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Unquote. Think about it. Who are today's truth suppressors? Let's pray for them because they presently have the wrath of God over their head. And we don't want that for anyone. So I'd like to conclude this podcast by pondering together all the good things that happen when we open our hearts and our lives to truth. Good things that we need. Good things that none of us will want to do without. So first off, God uses truth to protect us. Psalms 4011 says, You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually protect me. I mean, think about it. In what ways has God's truths protected you throughout your life? One of the many things that truth protects us from is from having the reputation of being a liar. Proverbs 12:19 says truthful lips will be established forever but a lying tongue is only for a moment unquote another beautiful benefit about embracing God's truth is that truth will help us grow up spiritually in every way and will help others grow up too as we speak truth and love to them. Ephesians 4.15 says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, unquote. So love is what makes truth palatable and persuasive. Let's determine to always couple truth with love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Here's, of course, the best blessing of all. Truth ultimately enables us to dwell with God. Psalms 15, 1 and 2 says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks in integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart, unquote. I mean, it's almost incomprehensible that our holy God wants us near him. I mean, feel the hugeness of that for a moment. He wants you with him. But he only wants us with him if we speak truth, even in our inmost being. And that's not easy. In fact, Demosthenes noted, quote, nothing is as easy as deceiving yourself for what you wish you readily believe, unquote. So much is at stake because as Thomas Carlyle put it, quote, self-deception once yielded to all other deceptions follow naturally more and more, unquote. We must tell ourselves the truth, no matter how momentarily painful or inconvenient, before we can even begin to speak the truth to others. So I just wanted you to know that my motivation for this podcast has been that I want you to be free. Someone has once noted that reality cannot be ignored except at a price. And the longer the ignorance is persisted in, the higher and more terrible becomes the price that must be paid. 
So I hope you've benefited greatly by what God says we can do to spare ourselves from all of that. I'll end with this encouragement. Third John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth, unquote. May we never forget how our own walking in truth is an immeasurable joy and encouragement to our own Christian families and everyone in the kingdom of God. Nothing is of better comfort than the good news of hearing it is well with the souls that we've worked toward bringing into closer relationship with God. If you're walking in truth, I want to say thank you. Thank you for being an encouragement to me and the world around you. God bless.